are listening to Daily Devotions with Pastor Robert Marsbach. We believe that these devotions will encourage and strengthen you. So tune in, connect, and be blessed. For any more information, please visit us online at lifechurchuk.org. Welcome to Life Devotions, and thank you for joining me today. The Breastplate of Righteousness is the title of this devotion. I've been going through the book of Ephesians over the last couple of weeks, and that is a big thing to say because, as I've said before, it is called the Grand Canyon of Scripture. So how can you describe that in just a few devotions? You can't, but I do believe that these devotions will help each and every one of us to be armed for the day in which we're living, to live to the praise and the glory of God. And that's really the great purpose of why we're in this body, that God who's invisible may become visible in us and that everybody may see his life and love in us and thereby come to know him. That was the heart of Jesus. He said, see me, see the Father, know me, know the Father. The Father is in me and I'm in the Father. And then he says further on in chapter 14 of John, you will know that I'm in you and you in me and I'm in the Father. It is just amazing how when you begin to learn these things and you begin to realize what God has for you and me. Now today, I wanna talk to you about the breastplate of righteousness here from Ephesians chapter six. So let's just read that verse 14 of chapter six, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. For me, this part of the armor, I I can't say it really, but I'm gonna say it, is the favorite part of the armor, but I can't say that because each part is so essential and beautiful. But the point I mean by saying it's the favorite part, to live in sweet righteousness, peace and joy with my heavenly Father is heaven to me on earth. To know no charge against me, to know I've been made accepted to the beloved, that I'm well pleasing, I live in his favor, I live in his grace, I live in his blessings, I live in his gifts, heaped upon gifts, as it talks about in John chapter one, verse 16 or 14. Oh, I'm just so grateful for the righteousness of God that I have in Jesus Christ. And if we go for a moment to 2 Corinthians chapter five, the apostle Paul there, makes a statement that I have prayed and I keep always praying. It lives in my heart. You see, the word of the Lord, when it begins to live in your heart and in your mind, it comes up in you in your prayer life. It comes up in your conversations. It comes up in your mindset, in your perceptions of self and others. And that's verse 14 where he says, the love of Christ compels me. Oh, how I love that verse. It controls me, it urges me, it moves me. What motivates me to live to God is the love of the Lord Jesus for the Father. When he went to the cross, he said, so that the whole world may know that I love the Father, I do. And and that's in John 14, verse 31. I just love to know that love of Christ 
for the Father and to live in His love for the Father. He says in John 15 verse, 30, uh, verse 9, Come and abide in the Father's love with me. That's the classic amplified. The, the King James says, As the Father loves me, I love you. Abide in my love. Come and abide in the Father's love with me. Oh, how grateful I am that I can come to know the love of the Father and love for the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's read here. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he who died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one after the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we don't know him after the flesh. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, therefore, we, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, old things have become new. Listen now, verse 18. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. I'm going to talk more about that later in the week. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, something I'll talk about at the end of the week, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You know, the cross of Calvary is never to be neglected by the saints of God, not here nor in heaven. In heaven, we see in the book of Revelation, Jesus worthy to open the scrolls and bring God's purposes for his redemption into being because he's recognized as the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. The Lamb, the crucified one the one who shed his blood for the remission of our sins. Oh, my dear friends, we may never lose sight of the cross of Calvary. I love that song, on an old rocket hill stood an old, on, an, on a hill far away stood an old rocket cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And we exchange that cross someday for a crown, you know, that old hymn. On an hill far away stood an old rocket cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. <laughs> oh, I love that old hymn. I love all those kinds of hymns because I love the words of them. The words are so redemptive and powerful and we need to keep singing songs that are redemptive and powerful because much of the scripture is communicated through song. The songs of Moses, the songs of the Psalms and Solomon and so forth. So here, we now live in the righteousness that God has given us in Christ. You see, he 
took all our iniquity, transgression, and sin upon his body on the cross. First Peter says that in chapter 2, verse 24, having taken our sins in his own body on the cross. You see, he took it in him. He became sin for us. In other words, he bore the punishment, Isaiah 53, that was due us. He bore it in the spirit that perfectly gave itself to God in the punishment. And that spirit was so perfectly submitted to God in the punishment that it completely satisfied the law. So he became our righteousness when raised from the dead. And now what he is that he is for us and did for us that we could not do for ourselves and need not do for ourselves, he now imputes to us. That righteousness he obtained, that righteousness that he enjoys in the presence of the Father at his right hand is what he imparts into us by the Holy Spirit. It is unbelievable that we now have this righteousness of Christ coming into us by the Holy Spirit. Paul really beautifully explains this in Philippians chapter 3. I mean, Paul here there is having to deal with people that are going around and saying, I am eligible, I am honorable, I am worthy of listening to because I'm a Jew, I'm circumcised, I keep these rituals of the law and all of that. And Paul says, none of those things make you worthy it is only Christ that makes you worthy to draw near to God. And he says, those things, yes, I know them very well because I used to live them and they were the glory of my person. But now that I've come to know Christ, I consider it a combined loss, even as dung compared to the priceless privilege of knowing Christ. And he's talking about the righteousness that comes by faith in Christ. He says here in Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 7, But whatever former things I had that might have been gained to me then, I have come to consider one combined loss for Christ's sake. Yes, Furthermore, I count everything as a loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and intimately acquainted with Him and being intimately acquainted with Him of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly because for his sake I have lost everything and considered all but mere rubbish, refuge, drags in order that I may win and gain Christ the anointed one or as the, and then he says and that I may actually be found and known as him not having any self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own based on my obedience to the law's demands, ritualistic uprightness, and supposed right standing with God thus acquired. No, but possessing that genuine righteousness which comes through faith in Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the truly right standing with God which comes from God by saving grace. I am determined 
in my purpose that I may know Him, that I may be progressively more deeply acquainted with Him. In other words, what He's saying, Jesus, life with the Father that He imparts to me is the righteousness that I now have peace with God and enjoy fellowship with Him. It's through that righteousness and that peace is imparted to me. Paul, here in Romans chapter 3, oh my, these scriptures are so life-giving to me. They have helped me in my prayer life. I pray these thoughts and I love these thoughts of the scripture because they give me life. He says, listen now, in verse 21 of chapter 3 of Romans, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. In other words, the law and the prophets wrote about this righteousness that would be given to us by faith, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus being made righteous freely by grace because of the purchase price he gave for his blood, with his blood, whom God sent forth as the propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness. Listen now that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. In other words, nobody can say to God, hey, that person didn't fulfill all your laws, so they can't be righteous. But the Father will say, but they believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. So I have given them right standing with me through faith in Christ. And it is through their oneness with Christ that His nature will be formed in them and that every law will be perfected in their heart and mind, as I have said in Hebrews chapter 8 and Hebrews chapter 10. It is impossible to have the life of His righteousness in us and not be drawn towards that which is right in His sight. The commandments of the Lord are right and pure altogether. Oh, how I delight myself in His laws. They are my daily delight to not bear false witness, to not lie, to not steal, to not commit adultery, to not kill, to not, to not uh, dishonor my father and mother. I love living holy, to live well-pleasing to my father, to have no adultery of spirit towards God or towards my wife or anybody else, to have no deceit, no evil hidden in my heart towards any man. I love the nature of the law. I love the nature of the law. It's in my heart by the Holy Spirit. It's in my mind that is the spirit of life in Christ that fulfills that which is right in God's sight. Folks, it's not possible to live as a true Christian and not begin to live in righteousness. John writes about this in his first letter. In John chapter 1, he writes about that, that if you are a child of God, you will do what is right in His sight. And it compels you to do what's right. You see, 
Our salvation, friends, is not in self-achieved righteousness, but is by a renewed heart and a renewed mind by the Holy Spirit. And the renewing of the heart and mind is the spirit of His righteousness being formed in our heart and mind that compels us by His love to do what's right in God's sight and shun from within, shun it what is unrighteous and unholy. And I want to charge you this day. This righteousness becomes like a breastplate. It begins to guard your conscience. It begins to guard your, your, your organs in which your emotions are experienced. The liver is one of the greatest organs that houses a lot of our emotions, our kidneys. Houses our inclination, our motivation, according to Scripture. Our heart is the fountain of life-giving spirit. These organs are symbolisms of the divine nature that from within our inclination is to live to please our Father, that from within our emotions are to embody Him, that from within the river of His life-giving spirit springs forth out of our heart, and, and, and disseminate, disseminates throughout our flesh that we can feel the life in our whole body. We become a body holy, filled and flooded with God. And I know this may sound fantastic to you, friends, but it is the Word. And that Word becomes living and active in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to take you for a second before we close to Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. Galatians chapter 3 verse 5 through 9. There it is. He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham before saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. So those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. And he shows you that the blessing is, here in Galatians, that spirit of sonship, that spirit of adoption, where we become heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus, that the life that is in the Father is revealed in us and that we are all begotten of God, even as the Son. We have come forth from the Father and we share with Him His holy heavenly life and we look to Him to see what it looks like, what He is now forming in us. And he says, did you receive this by your own efforts of keeping the law? Or did you receive this when you began to believe upon the Lord Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit? Friends, I charge you today, let the Holy Spirit consistently and constantly unveil in you the righteousness of God in Christ and how you will live free from condemnation, shame and guilt, 
and how you will have authority to resist the devil when he tries to accuse you how human you are and how earthly you are and you'll be able to withstand him and not anymore go through all the confusion I'm not good enough for God and God can't trust me and I'll never be like them and I can't change and all of those thoughts will blow away they will be gone out of your conscience you will never even think such thoughts you will say oh father How worthy are you to receive glory, to give me your own righteousness, the righteousness Jesus enjoys with you in heaven, you impart to me by the Holy Spirit, and how my heart loves to do what's right in your sight and loves to do what's pleasing to you. Father, my joy is to love you and please you because now I stand one with you. Oh my goodness, what a phenomenal breastplate do we have in his righteousness. Amen. Have a good day.